Loaded Talk. I am Frank, your congressman, the third most popular candidate in the world. Along with me is El Capitan. What's up, planet Earth? I'm Charlie. Charlie. Um, well, somewhat exhausted. Uh, last night was the Misfits and Megadeth and Fear, which I didn't really... Uh, I've never been a big Megadeth guy, um, but their fan base was exactly what I'd want it to be. <laughs> Like, dudes that are older than me, hair down to here, you know, just still rocking it. Uh, but they were good. They were good. And uh, fear. I only caught a little bit of fear. But uh, and then Danzig. Doing the Danzig thing. Good times. But I'm whooped like a dog because I'm old. Um, so I had stuff kind of queued up to talk about um, that seemed like the biggest stuff to me. Uh, but then the weekend happened. And we had some some new additions. Um uh, so, as some people may be aware, uh, Russia is fighting against Ukraine right now. I don't know if you heard, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard? Have you oh, heard oh, yeah. oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you heard about this? Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, Russia has leaned on this group, and I don't know if it's the Wagner or the Wagner group, because, I mean, they're not German, but I don't know, Wagner, I'm going to call them Wagner. Uh, but the Wagner Group is, uh, what do we have in America right after 9-11? It was Black, not Black Rock, that's the bank, Black something. But they were a private military firm out of North Carolina. They still exist. They just changed their name after getting bad press for a little bit. Um, but, you know, they're, for lack of a better term, mercenaries. Um, so, you know, private army of mercenaries. Uh, Pooty Poots used the Wagner Group to do things for him in the past including getting crimea that's you know that was a big help from wagner group they kind of showed up no no shots fired i don't think but they're uh they're very skilled and um and probably better fed and trained than most of the russian military uh so they've been key players early on in this thing uh there was Word on the streets was that uh, they had been brought in to assassinate uh, Zelensky. Um, I guess it didn't work, or maybe that wasn't true, but he's still alive. Um, so that was just, but you know, they've been involved. They've been involved for a while, and all of a sudden, all these alerts start popping up. It said that the uh, the Wagner Group was turning around and marching to Moscow, and it was like, well. That's a twist. Um, and they, the uh, the leader of the group, I think his name, Prigozhin, Prigozhin, I don't know. Uh, but he he said it uh, was not a coup. It was a, what do you call it, a freedom march or a march for justice. That's what it was. But the march for justice involved 25,000 armed troops. Um, so uh, I got, there's a little bit of a summary here that I found on the blaze. No cookies or anything. Look at us doing great so far. Um, yeah, so Prigozhin, 61, said he transitioned from being a Putin ally to staging a serious rebellion because of an alleged Russian attack on Wagner forces in Ukraine. Yeah, same team, dog. Uh, Prigozhin claimed the Russia's chief of the general staff, General Valery Gerasimov, ordered airstrikes on Wagner's convoys, which were driving alongside ordinary vehicles. He asserted that the attack killed a huge number of our comrades uh, and alleged that uh, Gerasimov made the order after meeting with Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu. And uh, the Russian Defense Ministry denied attacking him. But he claimed to have 25,000 troops under his command and he said the Wagner Group would punish Shoigu in an armed rebellion and possible civil war. Said all of us are ready to die, all twenty-five thousand, and then another twenty-five thousand. Um, so he marched his group uh, back to Russia, or from Ukraine back to Russia. Uh, it, yeah, they entered Rostov-on-Don, Russia's ninth most populated city with more than a million residents. Rostov-on-Don is also home to the Russian military headquarters for the southern region, and also oversees the war in Ukraine. They took over the military headquarters for Southern Russia, like all in their way. He's over there. He asserted that he uh, easily breached checkpoints in the city. Uh, da, 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 da. They seized control of the military headquarters in Rostov Aldan without a single gunshot. He added that his private military group fighters had taken control of the airfield and other military facilities. 
We didn't kill a single person on our way, but we will destroy anyone who stands in our way. We're moving forward and we'll go to the end. And uh, he said that the, of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the war was needed for a bunch of scumbags to triumph and show how strong of an army they are. We don't want the country to live in a corrupt, uh, live on in corruption, deceit, and bureaucracy, he said. And then he openly chastised Russia's military leaderships and has disputed how successful the invasion in Ukraine has been. You know, I think both sides have been very disingenuous about their successes. I think the truth is probably somewhere in between. We get fed all the rah-rah BS for Ukraine. And, you know, Pootie Putin RT is giving all the rah-rah for them. But I don't know. What you got, Chuck? Um, it almost seemed like a military pissing contest. A little bit. I mean, a little bit. Um, and I guess if you're... Yeah, let's think about this. If you're like a general, because he was calling, he's he's not really calling uh, Putin out for stuff. Um, and some other thing I was reading, uh, like over the weekend, I was just kind of, I was like, because I saw stuff pop up on Twitter. I'm like, is this real? Like, is this actually <laughs> happening, you know? And I was like, I don't know. I don't, I kind of trust this person, kind of trust, but I don't know if people are just jumping on rumors and running, you know? So I started looking up, looking up articles. And in one of them, he said that Putin was tricked by his generals uh, into the invasion, them telling him, you know, that things are much stronger than they were or much more positive. And I did read something. Problem is the, the source is a Ukrainian free, like independent press guy in Ukraine. So it could be true or it could be rah-rah home team. But uh, I guess Putin, I guess with everybody afraid of Putin, um, a lot of the military, when they're asked to give a report on the status of XYZ, uh, especially like predating the invasion by months, if not a year, um, so these generals or whoever would be like, give me a report on, I don't know, how strong we are here. What are the odds of winning in this sort of conflict? And, you know, th things like this, advice. And so because they're like, I don't know, it's all bullshit anyway, uh, they just think it was paperwork, you know. So they you know, wrote reports like, Russia is strong. Russia will beat everyone. Russia is great. And so Putin's like, oh, that's a good report. Uh, so that was something that was floated about in the, I forget what they called it, like the Moscow Papers or something. But it, uh, that was floating around there in the early days of the invasion, uh, which seems to be what this guy is implying too. So if you were one of these, like, because even in the U.S., we've got like, people who became like generals or admirals or whatever through like a storied career and combat and all that. And then you got the political animals. Um, there are admirals that, uh, sorry, that things might be signed by one of them, but there's some admirals or generals that become, uh, yeah, I hit it with a picture. I'm just oh. realizing that. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to make you lost. I forgot. I hadn't shown you that. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but no, some of them get there by politics, you know, it's just, you know, you're an officer, and you um, you know, like, if I go, there's certain routes you can go, and your career advances, you know, uh, and so you can do, like, obviously, you have to deploy, you know, um, and there's, <clears throat> if you go to parts of the globe that maybe are less popular <laughs> and higher potential for conflict, you know, it helps your career a lot more. Also, sometimes you can get on to a presidential or vice presidential or a first lady kind of committee on something and you know just now you got this extra thing where okay okay well the white house likes me um and so there's there's the political animals in the u.s too who are you know top brass but maybe have never seen combat or even like brushed past it you know um and so like assuming in russia it's the same way some of these cats because i mean Soviet Union fell how long ago? And yeah. and after that, like, Russia, I mean, there's things that happen here and there. Um, but they've they've been far less active in war than we have, I would say. Um, and so, you know, you probably got some bloated, fat generals that are just living high on the hog and trying to get by. But, you know, with the with word of Putin possibly dying of cancer and all that... Um, like, say you are one of the generals, and maybe right now you're eating some turds because 
this should be done by now. You know, obviously the the West has made sure that it's not because we don't care how many Ukrainians we have to throw at this situation. We'll throw them all. Um, but like, but say maybe you thought yourself um, you're a high ranking general. Maybe you're going to be the future whatever under Putin. And now you start thinking, oh, Putin might be sick and dying. Maybe I jump a couple spots. You know, maybe I'm destined to to get that cushy top tier job. But in more of a bureaucratic politician sort of thought, now you got this dude who is probably equally as crazy, somewhere on that same spectrum as Putin. Like, you know, ruthless. I mean, for the love of God, he just he just said, I'm going to invade Russia with troops and kill everybody that tries to stop me. So, you know, he's he's got a temper. That's what I guess I'm saying. But I think uh, you get this guy that even before the invasion, it's like he's probably the apple of Putin's eye. You know, he's the most effective guy. He's been a basically privateer for a while. Um, for a while, he was a... So I was reading up on the guy, and I guess for a while, he like, the country helped him start up... Or no, I'm sorry. He started up like a restaurant. But then he kind of, he worked with, he worked closely with the, uh, the Kremlin and everything and got like all the public school lunch contracts and all that kind of stuff. So very lucrative. And then like once a month or a week or whatever, he would uh, cook for Putin and the Kremlin and everybody. So at some point he earned the nickname of uh, Putin chef, you know, so he went from being Putin chef, uh, who, you know, never poisoned him. So that's pretty good. And, uh, to being like a private mercenary group. Um, so I guess if you were like, man, that guy, like that's who I'm worried about, because you know, as soon as Putin dies, that dude's just gonna just slip in there, and he has a private army, and what are we gonna do about that, you know? Uh, so maybe you do try and take him out in the field, maybe go just knock him down a peg, like screw that guy. Um, so maybe that happened, you know? He seems well funded too. Well, let's you know, being a private mercenary is very lucrative. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that he can employ twenty five thousand troops, like combat pay, I imagine they're paid pretty well. Well, then he said twenty five thousand more if needed. Sure did. He sure did say that. That's. I mean, that's enough troops to to do some things. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that is not the uh, the uh, Michigan militias that are kidnapping <laughs> governors. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, so he starts marching and uh, like seeing the stuff in real time. Like they marched in, so they took over the headquarters, military headquarters for that region. And I guess the early reports was he could be seen just dressing down. I guess these two people I talked about, the general and whatever Shoygan, whoever the hell. Anyway, these two guys, but two national leaders of the military, and he just like waltzed into the headquarters with his people without a shot fired. And just dressed him down. Whatever he said, I don't know. But he's been like posting stuff on Telegram along the way. And so it's him. You know, him like, this is what we're doing. This is why. Um, But he's been, uh, he's also, it was like, oh, the whole reason for this war is a lie. We're not trying to denazify Ukraine. We're not, which, obviously. But, (laughs) (laughs) like, it's a territory takeover. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, he's just been like, this whole thing's built on lies. And, uh. He's like, and this is not a coup, but like Putin put out, uh, or the FSB put out an arrest warrant for him. They were like, okay, we're going to take him out. And anybody who's participating in this coup uh, is going to be at best arrested. You know, Putin gave a speech on TV saying like, we'll fight threats, you know, foreign and domestic. And we take it seriously. And these people are acting like terrorists. So I guess the, uh, the president of Belarus, um, and was talking to Putin, getting updates on how things are going in Ukraine. And so this whole situation just happened to come up. Uh, but the president of Belarus uh, helped like broker some sort of deal with Putin, with Russia, Belarus, and uh, Wagner, Prigozhin. And so, you know, he announced today, yesterday, that was yesterday. Like towards the end of the day yesterday, he's like, "Okay, we'll uh, we're not going to go all the way to Moscow because that was the other thing." Someone's like, uh, "Putin's uh, plane just left Moscow for Saint Petersburg. Like, I think he's fleeing because they're getting so close. You know, like they're this many miles away." And the Kremlin's like, "No, no, no. Putin is working at the Kremlin right now." It's like, "Okay, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> his plane, his plane 
left, got into St. Petersburg airspace, and then like dipped below radar and just disappeared. And it, we don't have it landing somewhere. We just have it not being on radar anymore. So it would make sense to go to St. Petersburg. That's his hometown and Prigogine's uh, hometown, actually. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so he was theoretically fleeing. And so the guy's like, all right, we've got a good deal. You know, President of Belarus and I spoke. Uh, we have an agreement. Everything is fine. We're, you know, we're going to stop our march. And we're going to turn around and go back to our, our field camps. Um, let's see. What does he say? I don't know. That might be all I really need from it. But it, it was wild because, you know, first of all, the idiots, the Ukrainian flag people, like, and I, if I see a car <laughs> with a Ukrainian flag on it, like, I know everything I need to know about you. Like, I know you vote Democrat. I know you're obnoxious in the way that you, like, you're the obnoxious person, you know, it's like having a, it's like having the, the MAGA sticker or the hat on, you know, like we know who you are and you're probably the obnoxious one. And, uh, so the same thing, it's just like, Oh, you're going to like sniff your own farts and be holier than thou and talk about what a, you know, how important this is to be fueling this war over there. And, uh, you know, Trump is evil for talking to Ukraine about Biden in order to send anyway, but like, so the uh, Ukrainian flag people on Twitter are just like, yeah, like boom, <laughs> Russia's gonna be a failed state. Gotcha. How cool are we now? Like you, I mean, they were taking their victory lap. Where it's just like, you want a private militia guy to be, seize control of nuclear weapons in a failed Russian state, and this sounds like a victory to you? Like he could be. Better than Putin, he could be much worse. He could be much more brutal. Like, maybe not. I mean, Putin's got some stories about him. Um, but, like, he tries to present as a statesman, you know, which you have to do. But this guy, I mean, he could be better. He could be so much worse. And it's just like, and no one elected him. If he steps in, like, I mean, he'll step in. And maybe he'll win the election, but, like, will it be legit? I mean, Putin wins all the time. Though he is fairly well-liked in Russia just because he, you know, strong Russian. Uh, wants to bring glory back and all that. But, uh, and he'll kill you if you disagree with him. I was going to say, like, <laughs> does the opposition ever make it to the election? No. You know? <laughs> I mean, he, he wins by silly numbers all the time, you know. <laughs> um, who was, I think it was maybe Egypt. No. One of these Middle East nations. It might have been Egypt. Uh, before the Arab Spring, um, one of the dictators was kind of a friendly dictator. Like, he didn't really, like, kill people and stuff. It was just, like, he was going to stay in power, and he didn't really care about the Constitution, but he was going to try and be cool with everybody. He just doesn't ever intend on leaving power um, until we help overthrow him. Uh, but, like, uh, but one of the funny things about him was one time there was an election where he won by, like, 98, he had, like, 98% of the vote, and so he ended up, I think, killing a couple of people that were in charge of the election. He's like, you made me look ridiculous. <laughs> He's like, I need to win like 60-40, maybe 65-35, but 98-2, like, I look like a crackpot. <laughs> Kill him. And, I'm like, and that was like his brutal killing. I was like, I get you. I get you. Um, anyway, but yeah, so heading back to the... He says he's heading back to the field camps. I haven't seen much today that has given any updates so um but yeah the uh, watching the people take the victory lap on on twitter that that was ridiculous like you're just not thinking about this all the way through and to the point where people are like oh so you know it was a bad idea to get involved huh Russia's failed now oh i guess it was good to get involved right and then like people are finding tweets uh oh people complain about there's some ad for uh, military recruiting a while ago that was like basically unlock your true self and it was showing like trans and stuff like that and so it was using like the whole like trans thing and like gay pride and stuff like that as a recruiting tool i think the navy was part of it and there might have been something else but it was like it's like okay i mean not the 
best sell for 18 year old dudes that you're trying to get in here um but, but so people are like taking old tweets or like people are like all oh, our woke military meanwhile this is what russian military ads look like you know and it's just like defend our country be tough you know um and so we're like, oh, looks like our woke sissy military got something right. As if we're actually, we're not even technically fully deployed there. I'm sure there's some people, but you know, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's silly. I, I don't know how people were so happy about the potential for, don't get me wrong. Chaos is fun, but they have nuclear weapons and it'd be a lot better if the people requiring Putin to step down we're not a private army that has done crazy crap all over the globe just preference (laughs) maybe he gets voted out maybe they just go hey we don't like you anymore and there's enough uh, you know political motivation in there that people go oh yeah I don't like you anymore and we have an anti-Putin party and these people say they're not going to kill people for you anymore but Call me a dreamer. <laughs> what did I just do? Okay, there we go. All right, well, so that's not the only thing that's been going on this week. I do not want to see your stupid face talking. Okay. Um, oh, this might have a cookie thing. All right, so, boom. All right, so Hunter Biden. Actually, yeah, let's, uh, let's hop off of that for a second. So, Hunter Biden got charged this week because uh, of his various crimes. Did you hear about this? Uh, a little bit. So, he, he reached, uh, he's going to plead guilty on tax, uh, tax crimes and on, the gun, on gun crimes. And so, he's pleading guilty. He's being rung up. And, I mean, it's multiple misdemeanors. And <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, it's service. Wow. So serious. Uh, How could he? Yeah, I forgot to pull this link up. But this is from Reuters. Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden. I like U.S. President. We know who Joe Biden is. Anyway, U.S. President Joe Biden's son. Because it's not even President Joe Biden. U.S. President. Like, how many President Joe Bidens could they <laughs> Did they always do that? Do one is too many. Yeah, I'm going to pay attention. And <laughs> once there's another one, see if they're always saying U.S. President. Uh, anyway, uh, Hunter Biden has agreed to plead guilty to two, not one. Two, uh, misdemeanor charges of willfully failing to pay income taxes and to enter into an agreement that could avert a conviction on a gun-related charge, according to a court filing, pre-trial intervention. Which, of course, everybody gets for gun charges. Wow. Uh, according to the court filings, Hunter Biden received taxable income of more than $1.5 million in 2017 and 2018, but did not pay income tax those years, despite owing over a hundred thousand uh, dollars. You know, because you got to pay your fair share. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So if if I earn one point five million dollars and I don't pay taxes, I'll only be charged with a misdemeanor. You're gonna be hanged, son. We're coming for you. You're greedy. You need to pay your fair share, and you should be paying more than that. Because you're a piece of shit, Charlie. Wow. Yeah. Come on. Get your head out your head. (laughs) (laughs) He's also charged with unlawfully owning a firearm from roughly October... From October 12th to the 23rd of 2018. That's how long he owned the gun? Uh, When he was using... When he was using and addicted to controlled substances. Crack cocaine! Uh, The Justice Department said... For that charge, he entered a pretrial diversion agreement, an alternative to prosecution that is sometimes used to allow defendants to avoid prison time uh, or a criminal conviction. His attorney says, It's my understanding that the five-year investigation into Hunter is resolved. I know Hunter believes that it's important to take responsibility for these mistakes uh, that he made during a period of turmoil and addiction in his life. He looks forward to continuing his recovery and moving forward. So he's likely to face a sentencing that ranges from 12 to 18 months uh, for the tax charge, about half of which could be spent inside of a prison cell, so you know maybe six to nine months. And a former federal prosecutor 
who now chairs the white color practice at a law firm, Cole Schatz. Cole Schatz. That's a good one. He has not gone to prison. He's facing prison time, but whether or not practically and realistically he goes is very different. Everyone's like, he's not doing prison time for this. The gun charge. A, a lawyer, I don't have this pulled up, but a lawyer piped up when that came out, you know, because a lot of uh, Republicans were clearly upset. They're like, what? Because it seems as part of a plea deal, too. Like, part of the deal was saying, like, okay, you know, he was doing drugs. He had a problem. Uh, so, so for this time period, we acknowledge, yeah, he messed up with that gun thing. And we acknowledge he owed some money on taxes. So for that time period, why don't we settle for this? And we move on about our day. And everyone goes, okay, yeah, that sounds fine. We'll move on. So for this period of time, all tax and gun-related charges are we won't worry about them at a federal level. Uh, we'll just worry about, you know, you, you, you're going to serve your time for that's, them. That's convenient. It's very convenient. There's a fella, a gentleman, uh, named Kodak Black. <laughs> yes. Are you aware of this gentleman? Yes, I am. Uh, his lawyer came out and he said, this is ridiculous. My client had to serve jail time for this exact same crime. And uh, probably weed, probably not Kodak. Well, I don't know. what I don't know what Kodak is now. with, But he probably... If there was any crack involved, I'm willing to gamble everything I have that there was less crack with Kodak Black than Hunter Biden. And we just lump it into all cocaines, all forms of cocaine. I think Hunter Biden, far more, far more. Um, so, yeah, he was popping it because the Republicans are pissed. But then, like, Kodak Black's attorney is like, what in the hell is this? But if you recall, uh, when Trump got indicted for the documents... Uh, the big thing they said is that there's one justice system for everybody. And so everyone has to follow the law. Just because you're Donald Trump doesn't mean you get away with things. Okay, guys? There's one set of rules for everybody. There's one set of rules for everybody. You know, unless your dad's president. Um, uh, this is, uh, so as, as, you know, Republicans are like, what in the hell? Like, Probation? Like probation, basically, and like the the gun thing, which is a felony. Like a, it, he should be a felon, and you know, like he. Okay, so when you buy a gun, you have to put on the form. I'm not. It, it literally says this. Like I'm not addicted or a user of like harmful substances like marijuana or anything else, basically. And uh, they listen. They list marijuana specifically, and so you gotta go. I agree, and then you know you get your gun. So he did that. Uh, well, you know, he probably hadn't smoked crack for a, for a couple of hours, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but so he got this gun. I didn't realize he only had it for sixteen days. But he was uh, he was getting all freaky naughty with his former sister in law, his brother's wife, because when Bo died, I don't know, they got freaky on, and so they were dating. And, uh, you know, I don't know if she just was terrified of the idea of Hunter Biden having a gun, which I, is understandable. Uh, so, so she took it out of his glove box in his vehicle and threw it in a trash can at a supermarket, supermarket trash can uh, across the street from high school. And then went home and either somebody said to her or she had the realization like, well, that's a horrible idea. Uh, so she went back to the grocery store. It was gone. Gun was gone. So it was hunters for 16 days. I think it's on video too. I think they have security footage of her dumping the trash can. And like, you know, she just like, from her purse, just, like she didn't put it in a Burger King bag or something like that, you know, in, uh, in uh, universities when they're studying effects of drugs. Um, my buddy, my buddy was at Vanderbilt and they were testing uh, the effects of cocaine. Uh, and so what they had was bunny rabbits, right? Little, I had bunnies in my weird dream last night too. There's a lot of bunnies. Um, but, uh, basically they would shoot these bunnies up with Coke and then they had bunny sized guillotines. And so then they'd to the guillotine bunny and then they take brain slices and just do that whole thing. 
Well, you told me that one time he got a notice, or the lab got a notice, um, that, because the federal government provides you with the cocaine. It's not like you got to go cop on the street. Uh, but they got a notice like, hey, that we accidentally sent you stuff that was too strong. I need you to get rid of it. Like, it's stronger than we meant to send you. And so they had to take these, like, kilos of ultra-premium ultra federal government cocaine, and they said, just throw it away. And so, but what they did is they put them in... Uh, Oh, the biosafety bag. The same things that they put the bunny corpses in. And so, you know, they put that, throw it away. And that pretty much kept people from going through the dumpster because they're like, you know, I don't want a bunch of bunny corpses and weird stuff. But no, it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cocaine. And uh, so, you know, you can throw things away in a way that people don't want to find it. Or you can just drop a gun in there. Anyway, so... uh Democrats, though, say, of course, Republicans are just freaking out over nothing. Uh, Representative Jamie Raskin, the ranking Democrat on the House Oversight Panel, said, This development reflects the Justice Department's continued institutional independence in following the evidence of actual crimes and enforcing the rule of law, even in the face of constant criticism and heckling by my GOP colleagues who think that the system of justice should only follow their partisan wishes. Without a sense of irony, not a drop of irony, just like, oh, they can't just prosecute the people you don't like and not prosecute the people you like. It's like, but didn't that was happening? That's exactly what's happening. And apparently, old Hunter, he appears to be the first child of a sitting president to be indicted, according to Aaron Crawford, who specializes in presidential history at the University of Tennessee. Miles. So... Anyway, so that was uh, something that popped up, um, but it didn't, it didn't end there, because that was, that was like a frustrating thing, like, oh, like, one of the slimiest dudes, you know, like one of the slimiest dudes ever, who's been like going around the globe, just stacking sacks of cash, uh, because who his, who his dad is, and probably because his dad was involved, and it's like, okay, well, you know... You're going to have a misdemeanor on your record, and you're going to be on probation for probably like a year or two. And um, you got to promise not to buy guns on crack cocaine ever again. And after a couple couple years, you can buy guns again. Uh, just don't be using crack. And don't be addicted to it at the time. And uh, then you'll be fine. So, you know, not that. Um, but then magically, after that deal was struck, magically... Let's go to it. I worked and look at that New York Post. Hunter Biden used dad, Joe, as leverage in China business dispute. Text message. So, good old WhatsApp. First son, Hunter Biden warned a Chinese business associate in a 2017 text message that dad, that dad Joe and his political allies would make certain that you'll regret not following my direction while negotiating a six-figure business deal. Uh, so this is... Uh, with him and Henry Zhao. I see. I'm sitting here with my father, and we'd like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Hunter wrote to Zhao, director of Harvest Fund Management. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. The now 53-year-old went on. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain... That between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father, Hunter reiterated. So it's like, well, that's interesting. I thought Joe didn't even talk about the business. I just thought he trusted Hunter. Look, I mean, look at that guy. That's a trustworthy fellow. Look, apple of Joe's eye. Look how happy that dude is. <laughs> Those weird eyes that are getting tightened beyond repair. Um, so, yeah, it's like, well, that's an interesting text message. Um, let's see. An August 2020 search warrant revealed the exchange between Hunter and Zhao, which resulted in a $100,000 payment to the to Hunter's firm, a Wasco PC, whistleblower said. The IRS investigators alleged, uh, let's see, the Justice Department prosecutors denied their request to look further into Hunter's text or obtain their location data, 
And DOJ attorneys suggested the first son may have been lying about his father in the room with him. That's nice. Prosecutors, well, we don't know. He might not even been there. He could be lying. We don't need to, Let's not look into it. You know, I feel like that's how crimes work a lot of times. Maybe he didn't commit the crime. Did you think about that? Let's not waste our time with it. (laughs) (laughs) That would be my defense. Maybe I didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) There is this episode of Kids in the Hall um, where this guy was on trial for, like, murder. And so, you know, someone's playing the prosecutor, and they go up to him like, is it true that you killed your wife? He's like, no. (laughs) Like, we have this picture of you. You know, holding a knife to your wife's throat. Are you telling me you didn't do it? Yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> like, he just keeps going on like that to bring more evidence. Like, nope, I didn't do that. Nope, I didn't do that. Someone goes, this is easy. <laughs> it's like, no, I didn't do that. Um, all right, whistleblower singled out Delaware Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf as one of the prosecutors who shut down the probe of a multi-million dollar deal. Hunter, first brother James Biden, and their associate, Rob Walker, cashed in on with China's CEFC Energy, saying she did not want to ask questions about dad. Because, you know, you don't want to look too far into that stuff. What if you found something? You might be obligated to do something. Let's see. So, IRS and FBI agents who were present, all of whom tried to skirt uh, Wolf's direction, they were all kind of grumpy about the whole dang thing. Hunter and James Biden received $4.8 million from CEFC Energy from 2017 to 2018. Uh, let's see. According to the whistleblower, Walker later recalled a CEFC meeting where Joe Biden stopped in just to say hello to everybody. I don't even think he drank water. I think Hunter Biden said, I may be trying to start a company or try to do something with these guys, and could you? And I think he was like, yeah, if I'm around, I'll show up. And he show up. So it's like, oh, so now we got Biden in the room with a deal with the Chinese national energy firm? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> and so they're asking Walker about it. The FBI is asking Walker about it. And so they're just like, um, well, they asked first. So you got the feeling that was orchestrated by Hunter Biden to have like an appearance by his dad at that meeting just to kind of bolster the chances of making a deal work out. And he was like, yeah, sure. And, he, and when he was in office, uh, or did you hear Hunter Biden say that he was setting up a meeting with his dad with him while dad was still in office? Yeah, Walker said. And then, inexplicably, the FBI agent changed the subject. Uh, this ever happened while uh, Biden was vice president? I go, yeah. Did you see the game last night? <laughs> what do you think his favorite ice cream flavor is? That's what I want to know. That's that's oh, what wow. I want to know. So Zal, who is it? So Zal, the guy who was uh, browbeating in the WhatsApp message, is a Communist Party official. He invested in Hunter's firm, Bohai Harvest RST Equity Investment Fund Management Company. Just rolls right off the top. That's just a. <laughs> Also known as BHR Partners. I mean, that's so far away from BHR Partners. Uh, it's the first son co-founded with other Chinese entities in 2013, 12 days after he joined then-Vice President Biden for a trip aboard Air Force Two to Beijing. So they go to Beijing on Air Force Two, and suddenly Hunter gets, like, big-dollar investments. It's coincidence, though, you know? You know, uh, one thing this group did, too? So, by having a firm that's owned by Americans, so it's an American firm, Chinese investors, right? But there's different rules about, you know, buying different assets and all that. Well, they bought this company um, out of out of the Southeast. I forget where in the Southeast. But they were working on this one technology, the stabilization technology, and it could be used for commercial airlines but it could also be used for military aircraft and of course um you know so they bought in they bought this company as an investment or whatever but that suddenly gives you know the chinese communist party cats access to all of those patents on like military jet stabilization to make sure that they don't yep so you know that's hunter and maybe the big guy let's see during the trip to china oh this is great 
During the trip to China, Joe Biden met with the firm's CEO, Jonathan Lee, in China's capital. The 80-year-old president has since written college recommendation letters for Lee's children. Wow. Yeah. Just, you know. That worked out. Yeah. But he doesn't get involved. Joe doesn't get involved. He just, you know, it's his penmanship. Uh, people say that his penmanship is great, and uh, he just loves a chance to sit down with his calligraphy pens and his fine stationery, especially with a nice seal up top there, and just write letters, help kids get an education that needed. Uh, let's see. The whistleblower told the Ways and Means Committee members uh, that their team pressed for felony charges against Hunter Biden for ducking $2.2 million in back taxes, uh, but were ignored by federal prosecutors because... Who needs to actually do that? Let's see what else I got in here. That's important. Oh, I actually do have more. They also said... <clears throat> let me scroll down so people can read along. They also said the Department of Justice refused to let Weiss file tax charges against the first son in the District of Columbia and Southern California, going against sworn testimony by Attorney General Merrick Garland that the U.S. Attorney had full authority to do so. He was lying? Merrick Garland? He seems like such a nice guy. The fact that, that this is the guy that was up for the Supreme Court uh, in like Obama's final year, and the Republicans, as always, you know, stepped on it, where they just wouldn't vote. They refused to vote. And they're just like, oh, he's a lame duck president. We're about to get a new president. We're not going to vote on a Supreme Court justice. I'll be here forever. But it was Merrick Garland. And... Um, and it was like, y'all have the votes. Y'all have the enough people to make sure it doesn't even get a vote. Just vote no. Right. Just vote no. What do you mean? Instead, they didn't. And so that was like, this is a big thing where all these Republicans are refusing to do their job. And, and who was it? I guess it was like Kavanaugh. Was Kavanaugh the first one? Yeah, so I think Kavanaugh got that role. It was Kennedy. Yeah, so Kavanaugh. Filled in there, they're like, oh, well, it's, you know, he doesn't count. Like, it's because y'all didn't really, y'all were supposed to vote then. You ignored your duties and all that. It's like, just vote him down. But Merrick Garland, the fact that Obama desperately wanted him as a Supreme Court justice and now Biden has him as the head of the Department of Justice, I think that says that he might be a bit of a political animal. Um, let's see. Hunter's deals came from Ukraine, Romania, and China, totaling $17.3 million from 2014 to 2019, with the first son having personally received $8.3 million. He pled guilty for having twice failed to pay taxes on roughly $3 million he earned over 2017 and 2018. And then the free trial of the version of the guns, of course. Um, where's the good thing? Oh, this is the other thing the whistleblower said. This is actually from... A different source. I just grabbed it because I wanted it. I think it's independent UK or something. Uh, but the testimony uh, of the whistleblower also said that the DOJ sought to delay the investigation long enough to reach the statute of limitations and divulged sensitive actions by the investigative team to Biden's attorney. One example. Uh, whistleblower testimony claimed that the IRS was going to search a storage unit in Virginia that belonged to Hunter, but tipped off his lawyers beforehand. I said, you know, we're going to be searching a storage unit soon. So we're going to do that. He's like, oh, okay. Got anything you need to get out of there? <laughs> There's hookers and coke. Um, maybe some classified documents. Maybe. <laughs> no, those are fine. Let's see. According to Smith, the whistleblower claimed the DOJ dragged its feet in authenticating the message. Uh, they had, had obtained it in August 2020 after getting the results back from an iCloud search warrant. 2020 is when they had these messages. And, uh, meh. You know, you know, no big deal. So, there's one set of rules, and we almost follow them, Charlie. It doesn't matter who you are. If you break the rules, you gotta pay the price. It's just called justice. So, a little bit more about Hunter. That's the other thing that came out. Because, you know, one of the things we always talk about, like, the stuff that makes the news, there's other stuff that makes the news, but the stuff that, like, really holds on, like, sometimes seems like a distraction. It doesn't seem like it's really the important part. And granted, Hunter's not super important. Um, but his dad's the president, 
and was the vice president. And it seems like there was a lot going on there. And so, like, if the vice president slash president is corrupted and compromised, that's kind of a big deal. Of course, we got to talk about Donald Trump getting invited, or invited, indicted on having these documents that most likely he violated these rules. They all do. He's the only one getting prosecuted for it. And that's, and that's the weird thing. It's like, did he break the law or whatever? Did he, like, is this Presidential Records Act type stuff? Maybe not. You took a lot of stuff. You took a whole lot of stuff. And then you hit it. Like, you broke some rules. But so did the Clintons. When the Clintons left the White House, they stole furniture and shit. <laughs> like, they took silverware. They took furniture. Like, they had to reach out to them and be like, hey, um, that's ours? And, like, they, they loaded up the Like, they just tried to take it all. And when they called, they were, oh, our, our mistake. And they gave it back, you know. But, like, I mean, they took everything. Uh, they even stole all the W's off the keyboards, which never came back because George W. Bush had won. Uh, yeah, so every office really? keyboard. Really? Yeah. They took all the W's wow. off all the keyboards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, serious people here. That's petty. <laughs> so petty. So, all right, cut over here. Speaking of serious stuff, this is from the Washington Free Beacon here. Hunter Biden deducted payments to hookers and sex clubs from his taxes, says the whistleblower. Hunter Biden deducted tens of thousands of dollars in payments he made to prostitute to a prostitute and a sex club from his taxes, said this whistleblower. That's one reason he underpaid his taxes. He, uh, he deducted those in 2018. That's one of the years, uh, which is one of the years covered under Biden's plea deal. So his plea deal with federal prosecutors, like I was saying, was 2018. And so now like this is just part of that. No big deal. Anything that happened 27, 2018 or whichever years, like it's pretty much done. We're not going to see any prosecution. Um, see another whistleblower, IRS criminal supervisory special agent, Gary Shapley. Told lawmakers, Shipley, is it Shapley this whole time? Um, Gary told lawmakers that the Justice Department's tax division and the prosecutors handling the thing viewed the deductions as a slam dunk case of tax fraud. Like we got them, we got them. This is it. And then you know, whatever. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Not only was it an unlawful deduction, but it also may have been a violation of federal sex trafficking laws. Uh, because if the basically if the hookers were moved over state lines, which they had located records showing that Hunter Biden flew hookers across state lines, paying for their travel, paying for their hotels. So like, if only he moved them across state lines, this would be uh, a big issue. Also, we have evidence that he moved hookers over straight lines. Um, investigator told Congress that Biden made deductions for payments to no-show employees, including a woman Biden called his West Coast assistant, but she was essentially a prostitute, said the investigator. Let's see. I don't even know where we are in here. Um, Biden also made $18,000 in wire payments to another woman, using coded language, and another payment for $10,000 labeled as a golf club member deposit, but it was actually for a sex club membership. And then uh, they've talked to the person that owned the club and said, oh, yeah, he was there. And, like, recently, so this I learned about Sanctum. Uh, I think I was talking about this. I learned about Sanctum through this whole thing. I guess Sanctum is this, like, famous sex club in Los Angeles, New York, Miami. And it, I guess when it started up, uh, it got all sorts of ooh-la-la stuff because, like, celebrities would attend. Um it requires, like, dudes have to wear a tuxedo, basically, and then, like, girls either have to wear, like, you know, nice evening wear or nice lingerie. And, uh, but they have, like, stage shows of just people bugging. And, uh, and then, like, they've got, uh, what do they call them? They've, they've got, uh, lovely ladies that will escort you if you're unescorted as well. Um, it costs, I, the membership is something crazy. Like, it costs gobs of money to go and then like to attend you after you have your membership cost gobs of money to go to those unless you're a hot chick then you just gotta send nudes and they'll probably let you in um 
which is legitimately the policy. Because <laughs> I found out they have a Yelp page. <laughs> so I was reading reviews, and like a lot of the reviews were from like women like, I just decided to go with a friend. Oh, I just decided to dip in. It's like, it's like yeah, I guess it's a lot easier to kind of hop in and check stuff out when it doesn't cost you 10 grand to enter. Um, but, uh, but the guy who founded Sanctum, uh, he said that Hunter Biden came one time and that he threw him out because he was such a dirtbag. So at the you know swinging sex club, Hunter Biden was too big of a dirtbag to make it more than one evening. Wow. And this guy actually got banned from Sanctum for saying it because I guess he sold it off to somebody. And so they're like, hey, we don't talk about people that are in here. Like you wear the masks from uh, Eyes Wide Shut and crap like that. You don't have to keep but like you wear them when you go in. And all that, but uh, but yeah, he was like, yeah, no, he's such a scumbag. We threw him out. I was like, well, that's that's a special type of scum. Um, let's see, the ironic twist: the investigation into Biden, who was given the FBI code name Sportsman, was an offshoot of an FBI probe into a foreign online amateur pornography site that was started November twenty eighth. The FBI agent who opened the case found Biden's name on a list of some sort, but did not provide the detail. So, like, part of this whole, like, paying for hookers and all that kind of stuff, they were investigating a totally different porn site. And it was just like, oh, look, it's Hunter Biden. I don't know what the list was, but I have a feeling he was a fan. So, that was... That's Hunter Biden. Um... Yet again. <laughs> Yet again. But still. And like, you know, the hooker thing is just fun. Um, of course. Because hookers are fun. Um, oh, the, the text messages too. Uh, that he was sitting on WhatsApp. Uh, he has a picture of him, like with two of his nieces or cousins or whatever, uh, driving his dad's Corvette. That you know, Joe likes to brag about. And so it's like, it was on the day that those messages were sent. So it's like, huh. So you were at Joe Biden's house the day you said you were sitting next to Joe Biden. It's like, where was Joe? And people are like, listen, listen. Probably not there. <laughs> he probably wasn't there. It's, uh, it's amazing how quickly it gets dismissed. Everything that Hunter's up to. They, oh, whatever. Look at the Trump kids. It's like, okay. But it sure seems... Like Joe is involved. And it sure seems like they're trying to, like, I think they cut this deal with Hunter because now he's being punished for things, you know, punished. He paid his taxes. He's going to go through some stuff. He, you know, his addiction's a hell of a thing, you know, poor guy, poor guy. But, you know, his dad's Department of Justice looked into him and charged him with crimes because. You gotta follow the rules, you know. It's one set of rules for everybody, and it's unfortunate, but it just had to be done. And right before re-election time, you know, it's like, what? He's been punished. Now you can just like throw away a bunch of stuff. Like, oh, you can talk about that, but why? He's been punished. Like we investigated it because we are serious people that care about justice in the American way. Um. So the other thing, of course, that's been zapping up lots of. Attention this past week is the submarine that went down to the Titanic. What uh, what did you think about all this? Uh, well, I mean, the first thing I came across was the manufacturer of the hull and the uh, window glass did not certify it to those depths. Huh. That's it. When I heard, and I, I don't know this to be true, but... Uh, you know, we went with Matt to the Misfits thing last night, and his lady was saying that there's like one porthole somewhere on there, mm-hmm. but most of the time they're looking at screens. Why would you go down to the bottom of the ocean in a tin can if you're not going to be looking out a window? Right. Looking at a screen? Like, stay up at the ship. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that still, that still sounds like an adventure. You know, some giant ship in the middle of the ocean above the Titanic and like... You know, they're controlling the thing with a video game controller <laughs> anyway. It's just like, boop, 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 boop. You know, it's... So, here, I'll just... Uh, this isn't a, a thing you gotta pull up over there. It's just a quick summary. Um, so, basically, you know, the thing was called the Titan. 
was there to go search the Titanic, you know. And I guess an hour 45 after it went underwater is when they lost contact. Apparently, and this is where I think they might be open to lawsuits, uh, they waited like four or five hours before they reported it missing to the Coast Guard. Not that, not that it would have done anything now that we know that, but you remember, so, you know, for the first days, everyone thought they were trapped down there. They, uh, it's like they only have this many hours of oxygen. We got to find them. They started listening. At some point, they started hearing this banging in like 30 minute in, uh, increments. And they're like, okay, we think they're hitting on the hull. That's great. And so it's like, okay. And so you just picture those guys like slowly suffocating and like being in like the smallest little minivan. And like it's five people and they all got to pee and poop at some point, you know? And just like, oh, running out of oxygen it smells horrible, you know? Uh, it sounded just like a nightmare, you know, like a nightmare fuel. Um, it was Stockton Rush, who was the founder of the company, was on there. Uh, Hamish Harding, who's a British businessman and explorer, a billionaire. Another British businessman, uh, Shadzada Dawood, and his son Suleiman from one of Pakistan's wealthiest families. And then Paul... Henry Nargolet, a French maritime expert who had been on more than 35 dives to the Titanic wreck. So that was just the wrong one to get on. But um, let's see, apparently the company has actually been taking people there to the Titanic site since 2021 for a quarter million dollars a piece. And so it wasn't their first rodeo. Um, but, you know, after they started looking around, they found a debris field. Uh, it ended up having a uh, Titan's tail cone on there. And that's when they realized, like, nope, it imploded, uh, which is actually much, much better. So instead of, like, instead of them being trapped there for days, just fearing death, that apparently was a pretty quick implosion. Um, but the interesting thing I found was James Cameron. Like, he's, like, that's his hobby is submarines. And so they, uh, like, he's weighed in on it um, so i got this from the drive yep the drive.com um do you got any cookie monster no good so uh apparently cameron is an experienced underwater explorer and has made 33 trips to the wreck of the titanic and he's the first person to make a solo descent to the deepest known seabed on earth um so like he's really into it uh, let's see, U.S. Coast Guard announced they found the debris field, and now they think that the knocking noise was, like, maybe the debris settling to the ground, or even the Titanic itself is slowly falling apart, you know? So they're like, maybe it was just that. Um, but, uh, Coast Guard said, determined Titan with an unusual design, making heavy use of carbon fiber, uh, fiber, um, that it most likely suffered catastrophic decompression which I guess some people are not hot to try out on the carbon fiber, which I thought was stronger, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not rigid enough or something. Yeah, I heard there's t titanium involved in it. Yeah, too, so. yeah, but like where? Yeah, um, yeah and then the Navy, <laughs> Navy came out and they're like, you know, we picked up a sound that was probably uh, the implosion a few days ago. And so it's like the Navy... First of all, they go, oh, well, uh, once it went missing, we started listening. Uh, we started using our submarine locating technology to see if we could find it. It's like, oh, so you just started using that technology in that moment? You don't always listen for submarines going around? Right. It's like, I believe you. I believe you, Navy. And they're just like, it's like, did I hear the submarine implode? <laughs> they just, shut up, shut up. <laughs> afterwards like oops i didn't hear anything <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. um but james cameron of course director of the titanic he said i'm struck by the similarity of the the titanic disaster itself where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of his ship and yet he steamed at full speed into an ice field on a moon moonless night and many people died as a result and for a very similar tragedy where warnings went unheeded to take place at the same exact site with all the diving that's going on all around the world I think it's just astonishing. He says that <clears throat> it's absolutely critical for people to really get the take-home message from this that 
Deep submergence diving. I should probably scroll down if people want to. Yeah. The deep submergence diving is a mature art from the early 60s uh, where there were, you know, a few accidents. Nobody was killed in the deep submergence field until now is more time than between Kitty Hawk uh, and the flight of the first Boeing 747. So there's been more time since they've started exploring the bottom than their, uh, than the time between the first flight and having Boeing's. Uh, we've improved drastically over that period of time and adopted a new certification protocols that all other deep submergence vehicles, except this one, that carry passengers, especially, especially paying passengers all over the world, are required to meet. The safety record is the gold standard. Absolutely. Not only no fatalities, but no major incidents requiring all of these assets to converge on a site. And then uh, he said, so you know, this is a mature art. And many people in the community were very concerned about this sub. And a number of the top players in the deep submergence engineering community even wrote letters to the company saying that what they were doing was too experimental to carry passengers and that needed to be certified and so on and so on. And so, uh, yeah, so apparently they were reaching out all the time saying, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Um... <laughs> Let's see. 2018, uh, they were in a lawsuit with a former employer or employee who said they were wrongly fired for raising safety concerns, including how deep the Titan could dive. Uh, the CEO did not subsequently, or did subsequently admit that there were issues uh, that had led to Titan's maximum death rating being downgraded to the point where it would not have the ability to get down with the Titanic wreck. What repairs and or changes to the design were made after that uh, is not entirely clear, but it made its first trip in 2021. So they were in a lawsuit where it's just like, they're just like, don't send this down. It can't go. It can't go. And they're like, you're fired. Like, no, <laughs> don't do it. Like, yeah, you're fired. And later it's like, okay, so he was right. We can't do this. Like, we'll fix it though. We'll fix it. So um, I do think it's, I've seen some other stuff coming up because, like, he's done interviews where he was kind of bragging about the hodgepodge kind of jerry-rigged nature of the thing. And he's like, well, the pressure hole is important. We, we brought that in. We bought that, you know, standard. Uh, but some of this other stuff, you know, you can lose a lot of stuff before it's a problem. It's like, you know, if you lose your ballast, then okay. But, you know, you'll be fine. And so he was kind of had this very casual uh, <laughs> attitude about you know, the construction of it. Um, and so that was interesting, uh, looking back on this. I mean, he was on the sub, so I don't think he thought it was too dangerous and it has gone down for a couple of years, you know? Um, but I'm guessing they're not doing like the kind of pressure checks and things like that, that you might, cause I, I don't know. I'm not James Cameron. I don't know about underwater tourism or underwater exploration. But I imagine, like, submarines, the more they go deep underwater and deal with that pressure, they probably need some maintenance. At some point, that pressure probably gets a bit much, no matter how good the, the vessel is, without maintenance. Because uh, there will be a weak point somewhere, you know? Um, but yeah, so... And then there was also that thing that came out where he said he didn't want to hire any 52-year-old white men like veterans and stuff because they just weren't inspirational enough. And it's just like, you don't want to hire veterans of the Navy to work on your submarines because they don't have as, they're not intersectional enough. It's like, I mean, that's one way to go about it. You know, maybe hire the people who actually worked on submarines. Might be a good idea. But, uh, so that took up a huge, I don't know, man. I think, uh, a lot of people were dancing on their graves because they're rich. You know, oh, it's so stupid for rich people to go down there. Like, what's wrong with them? Like, that's what you get, rich guy. You know? Well, I mean, the one thing I, I got from the whole situation is it seemed like just a giant marketing technique. You know, he came off lackadaisical about the safety warnings 
and all that. And it's almost like a reality distortion field. He had convinced himself that it this is fine. Yeah. We're, we'll be fine. Yeah. You know, and and then like you said, the the um uh not hiring a specific employee because they didn't they didn't market as well. Like Right. Or yeah, they didn't inspire. Right. So I mean that's just I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah, I think saying stuff like that, saying like, oh, you know, we don't want a bunch of white guys, we're tired of white guys, this engineering is about all the people, you know, um, that's definitely a marketing BS type thing, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know, it was terrifying, like the, all those days, like I felt, I'm glad they imploded, because like just thinking about like being trapped on there, like it's, ugh. Slowly suffocating. Oh my god! Like watching it tick down, and like seriously, there's five people. <clears throat> the other thing they said is, at some point they're like, "Well, <clears throat> odds are hypothermia has kicked in at this point, so they'll be breathing a lot less oxygen." It's like, oh, okay, so like, so maybe they'll last longer. We can <laughs> find them. And like, at some point, there's like a conflict between which nation was sending uh, search vehicles down. And like when they heard the knocking. <clears throat> they're like, oh, I think we got a, a line on them. Now we just got to find a vessel to rescue them. It's like, why didn't you source that from the beginning? You didn't source a vessel? Like, even if it's you, you're not going to use it till you find it or something, at least know who to call. You know? have like, a I'm protocol. Like, yeah, it's just like <laughs> when we find it, call Jim. You know, Jim brings in the thing. And it's like, you know, they're like, all right, now that we think we've located them, who should we call? All right, well, I think that'll wrap us up for this week. As always, subscribe on all the things, the iTunes, the Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTubes, Rumbles, Twitters, you know, loadedtalk.com's got links to all them things. Um, so, you know, until next week, Charlie, what you got? Safety first. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that'll do it. See y'all later.